covering the latest in Toronto sports news, rumors, and predictions. This is the TSV Podcast. Here's your host, Connor Chambers. All right, welcome back to episode six of the TSV Podcast, a long overdue podcast, might I add. I am your host, Connor Chambers. You can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TO underscore sports views. You can also check out the website, torontosportsviews.com. Join with me today. We have back the one and only Adam Corsair of South of the Six. Adam, my man, how you doing? It's pretty fitting that I'm on episode six, I suppose, huh? <laughs> it's like poetic. Yes, it is. Very poetic, actually. I, I didn't even think about that until uh, I, I when I when I was like kind of playing this out and I saw it. I was like, oh. Yeah, I didn't even realize what episode I was on, really, to be honest. <laughs> and then we kind of went through it, and I was like, oh, yeah, episode six, south of the six. Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes that sense. Works out. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, all in all, I'm doing good. Um, I'm doing well, if I'm going to use proper English. Um, I, uh, I'm i sort of over the, uh, the high. That was probably what we're going to spend the majority of time talking about, but... Uh, so, so far, man, it's been good. Like the, usually in the morning I'm sort of, uh, groggy and dragging my ass out of bed. But for the past two mornings, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm uplifted. How are you? I, I, you know what? I kind of have a rejuvenated spirit. Yeah. I have this like rejuvenated energy. I'm ready to go. I'm fired up. You know, I, I, I think that that shot, uh, you, you asked me on Twitter or on text or something. I can't remember where it was now. It was on Twitter. You said, yeah. yeah, it was on Twitter. You said best moment, Joey, Joey bats, bat flip or the shot. And for me, I've heard that a few times with people. And, um, I, I know, I know you necessarily weren't comparing, but I always kind of like to leave the two separate because I think that they are both super special in their own right. One was like to win the game. And obviously Bautista's is what allowed us to win that game, but it didn't necessarily win the game for us. And what Kawhi did was so historic, but I, I don't know about you. I, I think that personally just leave the two aside and leave them sort of separate. And we can appreciate both of them as comparing to like one's better than another type of deal. Uh, do you want the long response or do you want just like, hey, I want, I want the response you want to give me. All right. Um, I feel like there is a, uh, a, a happy, uh, divide for the majority of Toronto sports fans, right? Like it's very hard for me <clears throat> from what I've seen on Twitter and maybe you have your, uh, well, actually you do, you have your finger on the pulse better than I do, but um, <clears throat> Raptors fans are usually geared directly to the Toronto Raptors. Like the, it, it's, it's really hard to find individuals that are devoted to both teams equally, sure. that being the Jays and the Raptors. Um, so for you and I, this is sort of a, a unique circumstance where like we, we both know that we love both teams. Um, but that's the thing I immediately went to is, you know, these are the two biggest moments, at least in the recent history uh, of in Toronto sports, right? I don't, I don't think that the Maple Leafs have had anything that big to well, really rally have, But it's just gone the wrong way. Sure, sure. maybe <laughs> like, maybe Austin <laughs> Matthews, right? Like, but that's yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, but that's just what he was drafted, right? So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that when it comes to the moment and the raw emotion of it, um, the Blue Jays, that bat flip, I think it, I, I hate saying this on a Raptors podcast, but like it's it sort of uh, eclipse it just slightly. 
And the reason why I say that is because, you know, baseball is a long game. And you have to sit. We were probably sitting through about two and a half hours up until the moment that it happened. Right. And that entire game was a microcosm of what it's like to be a Toronto sports fan in general. Right. You had the moment where, you know, the Martin's throwing it back and Chu is stretching out his arms and the ball bounces out and, you know, a door gets home. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, well, this is exactly how it's supposed to be because I'm a Toronto Blue Jays fan. Then I have to, I'm meant to suffer. You and you're going, pain. yeah, yeah. And you're going through this inner turmoil of like, why isn't it? It's not fair. It's not fair. And then everything breaks right and you get vindicated in that moment. And um, I think the reason why I put it a little bit ahead is because it was, um, I don't know, it was a little bit of a bigger environment. It was louder. And, uh, like, the building shook. The Rogers Center shook. Yeah, the cameras um, couldn't stay still. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't want to take anything away from Kawhi, but I think just, like, the the amount of people, the energy, um, maybe makes it a little bit more, uh, it values just slightly heavier. And it was the first of the two. Sure. Well, I, I don't think that there's a wrong answer. Like, I think that you can come to me and say what you've said, and I would agree with you. And I think that somebody can come to me and, and make an argument for Kawhi Leonard shot and say their reasons why, and I think that I would like, understand them. I, I I understand both. And obviously, you're right. It's It's sort of rare to have someone who's sort of focused on both the Blue Jays and the Raptors. Um, both fan equally, bases are very yeah. exactly equally, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, both, yeah. and both fan bases are of the diehard fans are passionate about their team and they're passionate about their moments and stuff like that. So um, I understand if someone says the one's bigger than another. I understand if somebody says no, it's they're both equal and just leave them be. And uh, you know, I, I I get all that, but I'm just happy that we can now talk about the Raptors moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks, like most of us had said at the beginning of the playoffs, but we'll get more into that later. What I kind of wanted to, to touch on tonight, we got, uh, it's by the time of recording here, it's almost 8 o'clock on Tuesday. The NBA draft lotteries tonight. And I don't know if you saw the uh, report that was released today, but if the Knicks got the number one overall pick, they would yeah, be I looking yeah. to trade it for Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Is that a good move for New York? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if the rumors are true that they're going to push hard. And they might not even have to push hard. It might just be, you know, decided already. But if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going there, um, I think it makes a lot of sense to have Anthony Davis on that team as well. And if they do do that, like on paper, that's a dangerous team right away. That's a dangerous team. Um, that could really challenge uh, the Bucks, And I say, and I'm not strictly eliminated Toronto. I'm just saying it's up in the air whether or not Kawhi comes back. Yeah. That's why we know the Bucks, are, as constructed for the most part, will come back. Um, so if that Knicks team is formed with AD, KD, and Kyrie, um, that will seriously challenge Milwaukee and seriously challenge the, the entire East as the top-tier team. Um, but if Kawhi comes back, then it's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do think it's smart because you want to go with the bird in hand. Like, you know AD, you know what he is, right? He's not going to let you down unless he gets injured. Whereas if you draft a Zion, there's still that chance 
that he could be a bust, right? It, it, he plays physically. I don't know if that's going to be conducive with the modern NBA as like, you know, that's more of a 90s style of basketball. Um, he's a phenomenal athlete, but if I'm a team, I'm going with a burden hand. And AD has already expressed, at least through his, you know, management, uh, that he would resign with the Knicks. So in that po- in that case, you kind of want to go with the, the burden hand. I don't necessarily know if this is a right move or smart move for the Knicks only because of a few things. So if you're going to track Kyrie and KD, like you think that you're going to, that's two max contracts already. Um, Having Anthony Davis would make that a third. And from there, you're going to be very limited as to what depth you can have on the team. If you have Kyrie and KD, you bring on a rookie slash sophomore slash third year fourth year zion williamson on cheap dollars um this kind of allows you to add more depth to the team and what we've what we've seen in the playoffs already is while depth may not solely win you championships it can be the difference maker of two teams that have relatively similar comparable starting units um i think that depth plays a big part in getting to a championship, it may not win you that title. Obviously the superstar does, but if you have two good players on max dollars with a third piece in Zion Williamson, that will, that will most likely flourish. I think that it's going to be very hard to build around AD, KD and Kyrie just because of the dollars. Uh, If this was any other draft year, if this was any other prospect that was going number one, I would probably say go for it but I just believe so much in Zion Williamson and even like a John Morant if they wanted to go that route and have a lethal backcourt with KD if they want to even do that but I get your I get your perspective on it I just don't necessarily know if I would agree with it just because of this year alone and then the dollars that it would eat up in New York's salary cap but I don't I don't know if you have anything to say on that but that's just kind of how I'm feeling well uh, the, the the third um, max contract that we're we're saying that AD would theoretically get wouldn't have to be you know extended this this season. Yes. The Knicks have already claimed that they can afford two max contracts. And looking at their books, I have no reason to believe that they're you know inaccurate in that statement. Um, so having said that, you know if this was any other team, if this was Atlanta or Chicago or Phoenix, uh, I'm not doing it. I'm just I, I there's no way I'm doing it and I'm going to go with Zion at that point. But, you know, if you're all in and you want to win now and you have no interest in rebuilding, which is what I feel like the Knicks are, you know, trending towards. They want to immediately contend. Um then yeah, I I think you make this move. Um especially for someone that has openly expressed that he wants to to uh spend a, a long period of time there. And not only that, you know, you mentioned the max contracts. You know, when you have a team like the Knicks theoretically would have that have, you know, Kyrie, AD, KD on the team, it's likely that you're going to get a, a decent set of role players going to New York at a discount. You know, because the, the, not only is the market great, you're guaranteed a Christmas Day game and uh, you're playing with championship caliber players. So in that aspect, I'm not sure that they're really worried about if they're able to afford players to uh, to join the Knicks. And let's be honest, the Knicks would probably pay into the luxury tax 
to get these role players anyway. So I think I I know our, our buddy Jordan tweeted this out, and I don't want to like rip him right here, but um, and by rip him I mean like rip him off because I do agree. If it's not the Knicks, it doesn't make sense. But because it's the Knicks and this sort of uh, situation that they're facing, it makes total sense to make that trade. You know, Zion's not like a guarantee thing like Vlad is. You know, not to bring it back to the Blue Jays, but there is a chance that he could be a bust. Sure. Right? And in that aspect, you, you just go with the burning hand, man. You go with what you know and you, you go do everything you can to win a championship because I feel like the market in New York demands that. Yeah. I think that they I think that the market in New York is also craving someone that's a homegrown talent as well though. Um but you know we can we can talk about this debate for for a while but we are a Toronto Sports Views podcast so that's I am right, going yeah. to I am going to bring it back to the rafts cuz we could talk about that all day and and I know that we could go on and on about the differences in how we portray New York. And the only reason I bring them up is because they are literally a division opponent for the Toronto Raptors. So, so we're not going to talk about RJ Barrett, you know, this, this is a not. Toronto sports podcast. Hey, listen, <laughs> our, my, my boy, my boy, RJ, as long as he doesn't land in Cleveland, I'm happy wherever he goes because Cleveland, Chicago is would be so good for him. Chicago would be perfect for him. Yeah. Pair him with Levine too. Oh my God. And done. Dude. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't like done. I've already, I I've already been he's a Providence man, dude. So. Yeah, I know you. You've always you've always backed him because of the Providence ties, and obviously, you know what? I think that RJ kind of got a rough uh, view from media and and spectators in the NCAA tournament, but I think that he will turn out to be quite a good NBA player. Uh, how good though? I'm not sure. His ceiling can be very high, or he could end up being an Andrew Wiggins 2.0. I don't know. But, I think he's the the true number one overall pick. I think he's overshadowed by Zion. I think he's more of a complete player than I, Zion. I agree. I agree. I think that he is more of a complete player. Uh, he also did lead Team Canada in the under 17s or 18s. I can't remember which which age group, but it, he led Team Canada to beat the states, which was powerhouse mm. All American players. And it was him versus him and a bunch of kind of no names at the time versus All Americans, and he ended up carrying them. So um, I'll still take my chance with R.J. Barrett. RJ, John Morant, and Zion Williamson will have great careers. Hopefully, they don't end up on division rivals where we have to see them a bunch of times <laughs> and then throw our fists in the air and, and be really upset. So well, to tie to hold on, to tie it back to the Raptors, if he does go to the the Bulls, uh, that's that's fun to bring the Bulls curse back, right? And then we're we're facing uh, in a situation for the next ten seasons we can't win a game. No, <laughs> no, Jimmy Butler's gone. That curse doesn't exist. That's anymore. true. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. It died with him. Um, but speaking of Jimmy Butler, yes. great segue. <laughs> Raptors and Sixers series wrapped up, done. Not sure if you heard, but the Raptors won in seven. Um, off a pretty crazy shot. Uh, probably not seen, probably not heard about. But uh, <laughs> if you haven't heard about it, go take a look online. Kind of cool. Uh, I would highly suggest it. But when I hopped on your podcast, we both thought the Raps would kind of take it in six after they won game five. Did not happen, but I'm glad that they were able to pull it out in seven. Saying that, though, it came down right, obviously, to the shot. The final shot to end the game. Obviously, uh, I would say the most iconic moment in Raptors history. I know that you would agree with that. Um, 100%. Yeah. What were your thoughts as you kind of saw the play progressing? When when Marcus is the inbounds and he's passing it to Kawhi and you see Kawhi's movements in the shot. Kind of what 
take take me through what you were thinking as Kawhi was kind of going down and being guarded by Simmons and Embiid, which are two very good defenders. Don't get me wrong mm. on that. Well, um, the to to sort of rewind the entire game, I told myself like I'm not going to tweet a bunch for this game. I want to really zone in and pay attention to this game. Um, so when that final sequence happened, <clears throat> I'm saying to myself, well, there's four seconds left. I want to say there was four. Yeah. 4.2, um, I think. Yeah. And I, I'm just, my fingers are crossed. I'm, I'm my phone. I, I literally put it aside because all I'm hearing is vibrates because people are, you know, talking about the moment and whatnot. I have Josh Lewenberg like on alert. So I get his, <laughs> you know, tweets. Um, I'm sitting next to my wife and I'm thinking to myself, they can't lose. At least they can't lose. Right? So at worst, they're going to overtime. Right. Um, so I, I, and I know they're going to go Kawhi ISO. Because if it's not Kawhi, it would be Danny Green. But Danny Green's on the bench. Uh, for good reasons, too. We'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. But, um, so I, the ball is inbounded to Kawhi. And you see him just go. It's one of those moments where four seconds... If you rewatch it, you felt like it was ten. Yes, you know, and and you see him sprint to that corner in that shot, and it's the first time watching a basketball game that I heard each, uh, each time the ball hit the rim, each time, and it's just like you got to give that crowd credit that a pin could fall, yeah, and you would hear it, and that's not an exaggeration. I know people say that it's not like you heard everything. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, we're going overtime. We're first bounce going overtime, second bounce it bounced again. Third bounce, could this happen? Fourth bounce, whew. yeah. My baby's asleep. <laughs> Does not stop my wife and I from screaming. Oh my! God. And thankfully, we didn't wake her up. How? But Your I like it's one of those moments. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know. She has a sound machine. Oh. So like you know the we're, the black the you know white noise yeah. is drowning yeah, us yeah, out. But you. you know I'm. Like the bat flip, not to bring it back, but I just fall to my knees in tears. Just in tears. I'm just like, and my wife's like, what's wrong? I'm like, you don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand 2001. You don't understand. Like, we weren't together. You don't understand 2001. And she's like, what happened in 2001? And I show her. I'm like, this is the exact same situation on the opposite side of the court. You know, it's on the right side of the court, just the opposite side. And I'm just, and it's in Philly, you know, opposite, you know, side of the, of the region. I'm just like, this is, it, it, it could not be more poetic. It just, you can't, you can't write it. You can't script it. If you told me, Connor, like, this is the way this is going down, I'd say you're out of your mind. There's just no way. And so watching that moment and taking it all in, it's sort of like, it, you felt vindicated as a Toronto sports fan because you're like, you you spend all your fanhood being called like choke artists, you know, like Lowry in the in the playoff sucks. Um, Kawhi's not staying. You're a waste of a trade. You guys are out of your mind. And for one second, with one bucket, it's all you're you're vindicated. Yeah. You're you're excused, right? It doesn't matter if it's luck. It doesn't matter if it's skill. It doesn't matter. You're vindicated. That's that's what was going through my mind. It was you you said you said it perfectly. It was very emotional. And very poetic. And those are those are the two words that I would say. And validation would be the third. Because obviously emotions and poetic from 
2001 where we were playing in in Philadelphia against the 76ers. Vince Carter misses that shot on the opposite end of the court, but it's that shot misses it long instead of short, but Philly goes on to play the Bucks in the Eastern Conference yep. Finals that year, beats the Bucks and goes to the NBA Finals. And a lot of Raptors fans thought, wow, that could have been us. And that was 2001, obviously 18 years ago. A lot of new Raptors fans from that point to now. So I was in a group chat with some of my buddies who I watch sports with. And we chatted. We usually chat about hockey, but obviously the Maple Leafs are out. And Toronto Raptors are the buzz of the town right now. And one of my buddies in there who watches basketball, he texted me and he texted the group. And he said, this game's going to end in a baseline J. Hmm. And I laughed. I did the little haha like emoji that you can put beside a text in on, on the iPhone. You can like make an emote on a text. And I put haha and I'm like, yeah. you're out of your yeah. mind. That's not happening. We're, we're the Toronto Raptors. This doesn't happen to us. We can't we can't make that shot. We can't make that we can shoot that shot. We're not gonna make it. Huh. But that's Kawhi Leonard shooting that ball. And when you ask him about any curse or any any playoff troubles, he Pump. goes, What curse? What troubles? Yeah. So he says he goes, Fuck you to everyone else. And he's like, I'm gonna make this shot. And he did. And in that mo- that is the moment that Kawhi Leonard became a Toronto Raptor. That is the moment where he just let everything out. And truly, we, us as a Raptors fan base and Kawhi Leonard became one intertwined. That was the moment that you can pin back, that you can look back. If Kawhi Leonard does re-sign with the Toronto Raptors, that is the moment that you can look back on and say, that might have sealed it. Because Mm. if, if Kawhi Leonard does not hit that shot, we go to overtime and we lose... I don't think he's coming back. Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah. I'm thinking to myself all day, game seven, um, you know, we have to win this game because for some reason I feel like we have this assumption that the Eastern Conference Finals, we have a a better shot, win or lose, of keeping Kawhi. I think right now it's, I'm more confident than ever um, that he's going to stay. I think he will. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's just everything. It's everything even before that, you know, it's, it's the inbound, um, the Gasol inbound, or was it a quiet inbound that got stripped? That was the missed free throw you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. So what happens if he makes that free throw, you know, like after the steal, like, are we, are we, do the Sixers try to go for three? You know, like it, it changes the whole dynamic of everything. So every little sequence lead, leading up to that final possession is perfect. It's literally perfect. And it's there are not a lot of playoff moments that the Raptors have had that really make you jump out of your seat. I can name a handful, right? The, the closest thing that I've had to that moment for the Toronto Raptors playoff moment may have been Kyle Lowry's buzzer just, beater. That's what I was just heat. thinking. Yeah, I think up until that point, that was their bat flip. Or maybe it was the Norm dunk. Or maybe it was DeMar's dunk to, to eliminate the Bucks. You know, it, 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 you could pinpoint the, anything, but by and large, and this includes the dunk, uh, the Vince Carter dunk contest, this is the greatest moment in Raptors history, period. And it's not just that. This game, 
as an NBA game, was an instant classic. Period. Like, it was a great game. Great one of, game. One of the best I've seen in a while. Yeah. Even though there wasn't a high even though there wasn't high scoring, it was still an unbelievable game to watch. Well, that's Just, how you know it's a great game. Yeah. You know, because on both ends of the floor, it's it, it's just it, it was a grind. That's Eastern Conference basketball right there. Speaking of the Eastern Conference, uh, we have obviously we've said that we have the Bucks coming up, and I want to preview that in a little bit. But um, quickly, I want to get a couple of takeaways from the Raptors Sixers series from you. I just want to know what you saw that you liked about that series and what you saw that you want to improve before we get to the series with the Bucks. Because obviously, yes, the Raptors won. And there are some things I liked about what they did, but there are still a lot of things that they need to do and they need to clean up if they want to beat this Bucks team. So um, I'll let you sort of go with both what you liked and what you want to see improve before the tip-off tomorrow. Right. Um, what I liked about the Raptors' performance was their defensive intensity. Um, I think that when it was right in you know the two games, or actually just the one game that they got blown out. Besides that, um, I think the defense was good. You know, save for a couple questionable substitutions or roster uh, situations brought to you by Nick Nurse, um, <laughs> I think that they did a pretty good job on the defensive end. Um, obviously you can throw Kawhi Leonard just by and large being great on both ends of the floor. He's always reliable. Um, I really liked how Serge Ibaka showed up in game seven. Um, it's just a shame that that can't happen more and more. Like, I think it was just two games. Uh, the one game that they won in Philly and the, um, the game seven that Serge Ibaka actually showed up, um, you know, noticeably. But what I didn't like is, and I think this is what's on everybody's mind, they're not winning this series unless they hit their shots. Mm-hmm. They had a bunch, a bunch of open, wide open threes, and they missed them. This can't happen. You can't have Danny Green shooting the way he is in the playoffs. Danny Green needs to show up. I'm a little bit more forgiving of Kyle Lowry because of the things he does you know, not on the scoring end, especially the the intangibles, the stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet, you know, the charges and the setting up, the, the being the general on the floor. Danny Green's job is 3 and D. That's it. That's it. And he was pretty much a liability on the defensive end in Game 7, um, which is very uncharacteristic of him. Um, I need him to defend better, and I need him to shoot more reliably. Because if, if they don't, the Raptors are toast because the Bucks love to let it fly. Love to let it fly. And they are deep. This is a deep team. Yes, they are. A They're deep. a team. They're a team. Yeah. And they can they can beat you. They Their bench is probably better than the Raptors' bench. And that's, I say probably, that's doing the Raptors a favor. It is. You know, um... So they just got to show up. They got to hit their shots, and they got to play tight D. As long as they can continue to play the tight D, they're fine. Something that does concern me, though, is uh, Gasol against Lopez. I think Gasol was very lucky to face someone like Embiid because Embiid was pretty sluggish. And it sort of masks Gasol's inability to catch his uh, the guy he's defending. In other words, he's, he's slow himself. He doesn't have quick feet. He doesn't have that pep in his step like he used to. I think Brooke Lopez is going to take advantage of that. I'm not worried about Brooke Lopez. 
I'm worried about him on the def- like um on the defensive end because I think you're not worried about the corner threes. No. Okay. I'm not. I'm not worried about Lopez and his threes. I think that I'm. I just don't think that it's something that the Bucks are going to constantly look to and that we're going to be consistently damaged by. But I am worried about him on the defensive end, and I will talk about that a little bit more later when sure. we preview the series. But obviously, uh, to your credit, about what I think that they need to improve on, it has to be op- open shots. And again talk about that a little bit more in the in the Bucks preview but if they don't hit their open shots and if Danny Green doesn't start hitting and Fred Van Vliet wakes up from his coma um, if he stays in that coma we're toast uh, if if we can get some production from the bench which I think that we will going forward then the Raptors the Raptors need that production if they don't get it it's over and it's and it's going to be a pretty easy series for the Bucks but I think that the Raptors have been tested a lot more than Milwaukee. And I think that that's going to help them in understanding how to grind out a series. We have to remember Milwaukee hadn't won a playoff series since 2001. They're still not, a, they're still not a very tested unit. I think that the Raptors have endured more of that. And I think that if you can give them an edge in something, it's going to have to be that the understanding of how to get to a finals, the understanding of how to win a, really tight seven game series. I think that Milwaukee understands that Toronto is the better opponent too. Giannis had a quote today where he said, if you lose game one to Boston at home, it's okay. You can still win the series. But if you lose game one to Toronto at home, it's going to be very hard to come back. And I think that's accurate. He's not wrong. Yeah. Right. That that's accurate. And I think that, you know, that is probably playing in uh, a lot into Milwaukee's psyche right now because all the Raptors got to do is win one game on the road and they have home court advantage. Just one. Yeah. And that is not unreasonable to think that they can f- take one of the first two games. I think they can. Yeah, I do too. Um, but I, this is sort of calling back to what you said about being tested. I believe in intangibles. I know a lot of people don't like them because you can't measure them. You know, and that I'm not trying to disrespect anybody that's deep into analytics at all. That there's obviously a place for them, and I respect it. But when you look at the the competition that the Bucks have faced, the Pistons weren't really that great, right? And they're they're facing a crippled Blake Griffin at that point in round one. They swept them. Celtics were in disarray, chemistry issues, locker room issues. Um, People with big personalities, big head, diva mentality. The Bucks should have taken that in four, right? The Raptors beat the team with arguably the best starting five in the NBA. I would say there. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. And not to say that Orlando is a challenging team, but I do think that they were a little bit more challenging than Detroit, seeing as though that their best player was a no-show. You know? Yeah. That being Blake Griffin. Um, so having said that, I think the Raptors are far more prepared for this series than Milwaukee is. Milwaukee has pretty much been on vacation for the past nine games, whereas the Raptors have been into battle. So I think in that aspect, the Raptors have a little bit of an edge. Yeah, and that, that again goes back to battle-tested, right? The Raptors have had two more difficult series than the Bucks. Uh, in each round is what I'm referring to. But um, 
I do I do kind of want to say that I was right about Boston and that people thought that they were yeah, going to wake yeah. up in the playoffs. And I said, I think that was me. Yeah. I did. Yeah. And I said that I think that their chemistry and locker room issues are going to seep into the playoffs. And then when they swept the Pacers without Victor Oladipo, everyone thought that it was all, all good. And when they won game one against Milwaukee, like, oh, here we go. Boston's got it. But they have their egos are too big. They can't run the same team back. Uh, Kyrie Irving has to leave Boston. I'm, I'm sorry. He has to go. He's not welcome there anymore. I don't think. Uh, just from what I've seen from Boston Celtics fans on Twitter, he's not welcome back. And I don't think he wants to be back. So, yeah, but as a Raptors fan, you want I, him back. <laughs> I would love him to be back in, in that in that uniform. But who knows? Maybe he can ruin the Knicks still and they can be garbage. So uh, that's true. That, that, yeah. wouldn't, that wouldn't be bad. Since we're talking about the Bucks and how great of a team they are, are they the best team in the NBA? Or does that title still belong to Golden State? They're certainly the deepest. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're the most talented team. I think you have to, by default, give that to the defending champs. Yeah. But it, that's on paper. I do think today, at this very moment, active players, the Raptors has the have the best player in the NBA right now. I agree. Right? And I think that's all that matters. So I think in a conglomerate, it's a subtle difference. Can you can you agree with the statement? I think Milwaukee has the most talented overall team, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're the best. Yes. Okay. I, yeah. That's the way I'd put it. Yeah, because that's, that's how I view it. I think that they're the best team. If you want to look at a definition of team, I think they're the best team in the NBA. But I think that the most talented still belongs to Golden State. Now that Durant injury is going to kind of hurt Golden State, and right. I still I still think it's more than a calf strain. I think that is something like mild Achilles, and I think that they're just going to keep blowing off game by game by game so that their fans don't go into cardiac arrest. He might not even play the entire Western Conference Finals. I don't think. I don't think. I think he's going to be out for the finals. Um, Until the finals, or just the Western Conference Finals. Out until the finals. And I think okay, yeah. he will try to come back somehow. Um, I think if he gets to the finals, Durant doesn't want to hear that he got carried to another ring if Golden State won and he didn't play. Like I just say I think he's way too much of a he's he's very he's very he's a very emotional person. This burner accounts, man. Right? Like <laughs> breaking news alert. Yeah. He's he's emotional, he's got ten burner accounts and he wants to burn you on everyone. But He's going to work his way back. I think that he's confident in his team, though, to beat Portland without him. But Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are a great backcourt duo. But Steph Curry and Clay Thompson know how to play in clutch time. But that's not something that the Raptors would have to worry about until after they potentially beat the Bucs. But who knows if they're going to, because Paul Pierce picked the Raptors in six. <laughs> so we are fucked. Well, that's unless Drake is wearing some Milwaukee gear. Yeah, can we? Send and I think him, it sort of offsets. We send that. him a Milwaukee jersey and Golden State Warriors shorts. Yeah, that's you know, it's not a bad idea. He does have uh, Curry's number tattooed on him, doesn't he? I believe he does. He's boys with Curry, yeah. and he's boys with Curry. There you go. So maybe, yeah. maybe maybe he can like take him out to a night out in Toronto, give him some food poisoning, and then have him play really bad if they meet in the finals. Yeah. But going back to our actual series at hand, Raptors sure. and Bucks, what's the if you wanted to pinpoint something, 
uh, major key on offense and on defense that you think will help Toronto beat Milwaukee? I know we kind of talked about stuff that we wanted to see improved, and you can you can always go back to that. But specifically looking at Milwaukee, what do you think they have to do on offense, and what do they have to do on defense to win this series? Perimeter defense. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the game. I'm not worried about anything inside. I'm not not against Milwaukee. Um, and I think the Raptors have an edge in the post against Milwaukee. Um, but as long as you can keep, uh, defend them tight at the perimeter, uh, at the top of the key, rather, I think that uh, I think they're fine. I think it'll still be challenging. There's no containing Giannis. No. It's not going to no. happen. You will not eliminate him. Um, I, I like Pascal Siakam. That's an understatement. I do think that he's an underrated defender. But I think, actually, I, I know Giannis has the edge. All right? And you, you can't have, who's defending Giannis, right? If you put Kawhi on Giannis, that sort of opens up things for other players, right? I'd rather have uh, Siakam there to sort of match the length as best as possible. Um, I, I just, I, I think as long as you stay tight and dare them to beat you on the inside, I think the Raptors are going to be okay. I think, I don't know. I think that we might, we might not have seen the end of the Serge Ibaka Marcus Gasol pairing. I love only it only because, and and I I despise that fact coming into the playoffs because they did not work well together in the regular season. I think, but in that seventy sixers series, it really called for it, and I think Raptors fans are clamoring for it. And then Nick Nurse finally made the adjustment, and it paid off. But yeah. I think that we would see Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka again for the sole reason that um, you put Gasol on Lopez and maybe you put Ibaka on Giannis. I know Ibaka is a bit slower. I get that. Yeah, I don't think but, I don't think that's going to work. But maybe you have a little bit of a bigger guy on Giannis that has a little bit more mobility than a typical center, but is not the most strong, but can still play that. You know, he was playing the four spot for the longest time until we decide to do a JV Abaka rotation off the off the bench. Maybe you go back to that and then run a run a Pascal Kawhi something else, uh Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Vliet or something. I don't know. But this Milwaukee team is not as lengthy as Orlando or 76ers. And a major key for Toronto is going to be obviously hitting those open shots. And I think that they will be able to because they're not going to see one of Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, um, Joel Embiid uh, in their face, right? Like those are really like Ben Simmons. Those are really lengthy dudes. That's a six ten point guard, right? Like those guys, and and they they bar, they close out really fast, and they're there. And it's hard to shoot over those guys right. if you're the size of a Fred VanVleet or Kyle Lowry or even like a Danny Green or Norman Powell. I think that with the sizing of the Milwaukee Bucks and the lack of length compared to Orlando and the 76ers, I think that is really going to help Toronto in hitting those shots, and they have to. Um, the reason why I say this, uh, I I don't. you obviously know of Mike Bossetti on Twitter. If you don't know him, mm-hmm. give him a follow. Uh, I think it's literally just at Mike Bossetti. I might be completely wrong. Mike Bo Sports. Mike Bo Sports, you're right. Sorry, sorry, Mike, yeah. if you're listening to this, my bad. <laughs> Failed plug. But... He had he always does a stats thread of key stats for this for for the series or whatever, and it's usually a weekend stats thread. And he's been doing it throughout the regular season and now into the playoffs. 
and he has one for the Bucks series. And I took a few of his points because I thought that they were really interesting. Um, the one that I'm going to kind of come back to right now is why I'm talking about this. And the, he said that the Bucks allow most of their shots to come from behind the arc. So 36.3%. And they allowed opponents to shoot 36.8% on those shots. So Toronto mm-hmm. has to return to that three-point shooting team that we knew post-trade deadline. If they're not there, if they're not the number one three-point shooting team post-trade deadline like we knew or even relatively close, it's over, right? That's the one that stuck out to me the most. Um, And then the other one that stuck out to me was uh, a stat about Brooke Lopez. And he said opponents shoot 5.4% fewer shots at the rim when Brooke Lopez is in the game. Obviously, we're going to have to live and die by the three in the series. I think that that's pretty obvious. But... I don't know. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. Like they rank third in opponent offensive rebound percentage. So if you miss your shot, you're probably not getting it back. Um, they rank first yeah. in percentage of shots allowed at the rim, and opponents' field goal percentage. So they're not giving you much. Even if you want to take a two, a three, a, a mid range J under the bucket, it, they're not giving you much. But the way that Toronto can expose them is the three. That is that is the that is the glaring you know stat that i see come out where toronto can actually execute if they get back to what they were doing before and it's going to be so imperative to hit your open shots if you do not hit your open shots against milwaukee it's over it's done yeah and that goes for everyone too right and i know i cut kyle lowry some slack before but um he's got to shoot better van vliet has to shoot better um yes uh, we already touched on danny green I like the shooting from Marcus All. I think, you know, if you got the shot, shoot it, big man. Shoot it. Don't hot potato the ball. Shoot that ball. You know, same thing with Surge. You know, that game seven definitely boosted his confidence. You know, there was a moment, uh, I want to say in the third quarter, that it might have been Butler guarding him, or maybe it was Harris, um, pretty much daring him to shoot a three. And it was like literally in his face. And he's just like, fuck it. And just like, shit. Quick to three. And I'm just like, you got that's what I'm talking about, man. Show that confidence. Be that guy. This you can hit these. You know, you're going to have bad games. And that's something that I, I do want to express to Toronto Raptors fans listening to this. There are going to be bad games in this series. It they there will. It's going to happen. It would it surprise me if the Bucks blow out the Raptors game one? No, not at all. Does not surprise me. But do I think the Raptors will respond? better and win game two i think that's entirely possible because if we've seen anything throughout this playoffs is that when the raptors face adversity they do come back well you know they yes they won two they lost two games in a row to philly but they responded well right and i think they have that ability um i think that game one's going to be a wild card you're going to see a lot of mishmashing you're going to see a lot of experimentation again from nick nurse um, I don't feel comfortable with it, but it seems to be working despite my discomfort. Um, he, maybe that's how you gauge things. Um, I definitely think he's uh, the lesser coach of the two. I think Bud has a giant hand up over him. Um, but I, it's going to be interesting. They need to have their shots fall, and they need to play tight defense. Um, I, I just... Calling back to what you were saying about Serge guarding Giannis, I, I just don't know if that's a good idea because if what Serge has been showing this playoffs is that when he was guarding Embiid, 
he bid on almost every one of Embiid's pump fakes, and it cost the Raptors dearly. And Giannis is not a great three-point shooter, but you know he's 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 a great overall player. So it wouldn't surprise me if Serge is guarding him, he gets the yips there, jumps on his pump fakes, and then we're screwed. Like no one's taking Giannis down on the inside. It's just if not going to happen. Serge jumps on a Giannis pump fake, bench him for the entire game. No, we can't though. Sure. We need his no, life. No, you know, I'm kidding, kidding. I'm just like, but you know that especially if he's deep. If he goes up to shoot, let him shoot. Yeah. If he makes a shot, that's fine. Same but thing with Embiid. Are, yeah, that's well, but Embiid Embiid's a better shooter than Giannis. Giannis is shooting thirty-two percent from three in the playoffs. No, it's it's not sustainable because Giannis in the regular season was shooting what like twenty percent from yeah. three. So it's not sustainable. That's like that's like me saying, okay, um, Marcus Gasol is hitting fifty percent from three in the playoffs. Hypothetically, that's not sustainable. Yeah. Gasol's on a 50% three-point shooter. And that would be like me saying, okay, yeah, yeah, Steph Curry is is one of 10 from three. And you're like, okay, well, that's not sustainable. He's going to get better. It's an, it's an outlier to me that he's even hitting 30-something percent from three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's- Go ahead, big man. Take your shot. I think that Embiid shoots the ball better than Giannis from deep. I would rather take you. I would rather see Giannis take the shot than Embiid. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All Serge needs to do is keep those feet planted. Um, and I think he's going to be okay. But a, another thing that they need to do, and this is where Philly killed them, they need to rebound. They need to rebound the fuck out of this series yes, because you can't afford to get beat. They're, remember that, that? You probably know what I'm talking about against the Celtics. Five offensive rebounds by Milwaukee? Sure, yeah. that's because Celtics, their head just wasn't in the game. Fine. You know, that that's that's an anomaly. But... You need to be aggressive under the boards. You have to because everything counts. Everything. We need to see Kyle Lowry get big again with these rebounds. We need to be Serge Ibaka. We need Serge Ibaka to be that force underneath the boards like he was in Game Seven. You need to play as if every game is an elimination game, and I think that's where the Raptors thrive. I don't. Again, the Raptors have been faced with this adversity. They've been faced with these situations. Milwaukee's sitting pretty, man, and I really think the Raptors can pounce on that. I do too. I think I think it's a I think that the comfortability for Milwaukee might be their demise because the Raptors are coming in, they're hungry, they got they got battle scars on them, and Milwaukee has just kind of walked out of the hair salon all nice and all uh, looking all nice and fresh, all nice and pretty, not knowing what's what savagery is coming their way. And I think that that's a big testament to Toronto that they could get through two pretty difficult series. I mean, the first round matchup, obviously we knew that Toronto was going to beat Orlando, but you still have to fight every single game. Milwaukee, they just kind of, you know, they beat Detroit with their eyes closed and then Boston. I think that, I think they got too cocky game one. They lost it and they're like, okay, well we'll start to play. And then they won four in a row. Going back to your point about rebounds. The nice thing about, Toronto they have going for them another Mike Bossetti stat here Bucks finished 26 in the NBA in offensive rebounds so I just think I think that that's more of a testament to Boston not wanting it if Toronto wants it they'll get it yeah if if they don't want it Milwaukee will get it and that's how I think that that's really how we're gonna know if they are if they're losing a lot of boards on the defensive glass to Milwaukee and they're getting offensive rebounds then Toronto doesn't want it they don't want it so I think that that's. But gonna, there will be games like that. There will be, uh, from I think from both yeah. teams. 
Yes. There will, there will yeah. be games like that. Maybe it's one game, maybe it's multiple. I don't know, but there we will see that once from both teams. Yeah. All right. For sure. We're putting down the gauntlet here on record. Let's do it on paper on in, in the audio waves in the archives forever and ever series prediction, Adam Corsair South of the six who wins this series and in how many games wraps in seven. Ooh! This is going the distance wraps yeah. in seven. Yeah. Wraps in seven. You know what, Adam? Philly took them to seven. You know, took them to seven, yeah. I should say. Yeah. Milwaukee will take them to seven. Yeah. Um, I like that. And that's what I have, too. I got Raps in seven. Yeah. And um, yeah. I, I think I just don't see a scenario either way where this isn't going the distance. If Milwaukee wins this, they're winning in seven. If Toronto wins this, they're winning in seven. I think that this is going to be an incredibly tight series. I think it's going to be very back and forth. Both teams are going to lose on their home court. Uh, I think that this will be split 2-2 going back to Milwaukee for game five. And then I think both teams win on their home court, get to seven, anything can happen. But as we as we know, it is very tough to win a game seven on the road. But we've seen great teams do it. We saw We recently just saw Portland do it. It is possible. And I think that with that killer instinct that Toronto has and their experience in game sevens and in, and in a game to close out a series, I think that they can do it. I'll take the wraps in seven. Obviously I'm hoping for earlier so that I don't have to survive yet another like panic attack or like, <laughs> I don't know if I can live through another seven game series, but look, 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 the, the good news is this isn't lasting till father's day. Yes. Right. So yes. You know, Mother's Day for for this series against the Sixers. We're not we're not dealing with another holiday. Um, actually, I think I am. I think Memorial Day falls on Game Seven. I could be wrong oh. about that though. In in the yeah, states, yeah, we have, but we have Victoria Day, which could is be wrong. Which is on the Monday. Victoria Day. I think it's the same oh, is thing. It, but our, our, when's our, Victoria ours Day? On the Monday, it's, it's like Monday, May twenty first. Yeah, um, uh, Monday. Well, May twentieth. So that's next. That's next. Twentieth. Sorry, so ours is the following yeah. week. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, but we don't. But are, we don't play on that day. We play on the Tuesday. But okay. it's right. going to be. Well, there you go. It's going to be one hell of a series. Raptors fans, buckle up, get comfortable, go uh, go watch more Kawhi Leonard highlights. Look at Uncle Dennis hugging Masai, Larry Tannenbaum. Soak it in. Soak soak it in. His sister liking comments that Kawhi's staying in Toronto. If it wants to make you feel better just record. whoa whoa that's legit that's legit i looked at it i looked it up someone posted on twitter they said Kawhi's sister liked a comment saying that uh the comment on instagram it was some instagram post and it wasn't even their po- it wasn't even like her post some instagram posts and it's like it's like oh my god this man's staying in toronto we have to keep this guy in toronto and they you pull up the likes and it's like the Kawhi leonard official fan page liked it and when you go and you take a look at the fan page it says um, run by Kawhi Leonard's sister, blah, blah, blah. And you t- and you click on her account and it's the sister. And she goes, I run this fan page. Are we sure this is legit? I though? am. I am. I vetted it. I've looked it up. It is 100% legit. Her sister, his sister. Wow. Uh, okay. I made sure to look it up before I like boosted about it. All right. That is, that is Kawhi Leonard's sister. And it makes um, me even more confident. Yeah. And 
that that has been posted. Uncle Dennis looks very happy. Masai Ujiri looks very happy. Nick Nurse has the same expression that he always has. But uh, um, <laughs> either way, Raptors fans, be excited. It's Eastern Conference Finals. We've been here once before. And we don't have LeBron James in our way. Look at that. I know I know. Giannis is a beast. But you got to beat the big boys to get to the big trophy. So on that note, Adam, I'm going to leave the floor with you. Anything and everything south of the six, go for it right now. The time is yours, my man. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's always fun chatting Raptors and Blue Jays with you, uh, whatever the case may be. I appreciate being on for episode six. Um, you know, like I said, it's pretty much fitting. Um, yeah, so southofthesix.com, we have a team of writers that write about the Blue Jays and Raptors. Blue Jays content is kind of slow right now for obvious reasons, um, but the uh, the Raptors content is it's pretty pretty much flowing. Uh, we're having, I'm doing, I think, like two or three podcasts a week now just to keep up with the playoff schedule. So you can find that on all your podcatchers, wherever you listen to your podcasts on. Just search, search for South of the Six, and Six is spelled the number six in the letters I-X, like the cool kids in Toronto spell it, which I am not one of those. Um, I'm not honorary. either of those. I'm not a cool kid, and I'm not living in Toronto. You're not. That's right. Um, you can find uh, me primarily on Twitter, at South of the Six, spelt the same way. And if you want to see me retweet South of the Six stuff on my personal account, just head on over to at Adam Corsair. But otherwise, dude, it's been a pleasure. I'm sure we'll do this again. I'm sure you'll be on my show Definitely. soon. And uh, go Raps, man. Raps go and Seven. Raps, raps and Seven. Uh, you guys know I'm already going to link all the stuff in the podcast uh, description. So you can go take a look at it there if you want to click on any of his stuff, the content that comes out of South of the Six and their website from the team of Raiders there is unbelievable. Those guys do a fantastic job. Really diehard fans, but they look at things from a very unbiased perspective and they do a great job examining and deconstructing a lot of series and uh, some kind of key takeaways, stuff like that. They do a fantastic job over there. I highly recommend um, making sure that you do follow South of the Six on Twitter uh even on instagram they're on there too uh follow adam's personal twitter again it's all gonna be linked down below it's very worth it uh the content there is unbelievable uh adam thank you so much for coming on Uh, it's been a pleasure for episode six of the tsv podcast again you can check us out on twitter at to underscore sports views you can also check out the website torontosportsviews.com other than that adam go raps go raps in seven baby let's do it it's one of fucking championship man Thanks for listening. You can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TO underscore sports views. You can also listen to our previous podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and more. Don't forget to leave a five-star review if you enjoyed the content and click that subscribe button. See you next time.